Hello and welcome. This is Debbie George Addis and our Let's Talk More podcast series for my radio show, America Can We Talk? I want to take just a minute to tell you a little bit about the history of this radio show and why I do these podcasts. The radio show formerly was called Ladies Can We Talk, and I, it was the same name as my book, Ladies Can We Talk. I tried to talk to women voters about the idea that life is better in America for everyone, for women, men, everyone, if we hold on to the basic constitutional framework that was set up by our founders. And I know the talk of the Constitution and, and the Declaration of Independence, people say, oh, that's just, you know, that's 300 years ago. But what those uh, documents did, what, that, uh, what the founders did, was set up a system that gave the most freedom to every individual in any country that's ever happened since, the, since time began in all world history. The idea of America was dedicated to the idea that an individual, simply because he or she is born, has rights from God, has rights and equal rights, is equal with everybody else. It was a novel concept untried in all of human history. It was the idea that man and women, man meaning men and women, actually can govern themselves. And actually philosophers and thinkers at the time of the founding of America looked at this idea that the founders set up in the Declaration of Independence and thought, these people are crazy. You know, you need to have a ruling class. Everybody knows this. You've got to have royalty. You have to have a king and a queen. You have to have a ruling class that just simply simply keeps the common people, the peasants, the masses under control. Because the notion is that if, they, if you didn't have that, you would have chaos and you couldn't have an orderly society. Yet the ideas of the Declaration, the idea of just the individual being held up as worthy of respect simply because you're born, created that idea, all the ideas in the Declaration of Independence and then later the Constitution, created what became America and is America today, which is the most stable, prosperous, safe, and um, powerful country in the world. It, it is those ideas in the founding that made America. And the reason I want to talk about that today is because one thing we're facing in America, and we're, I'm going to talk about these uh, cases that are happening all across the country in which we are seeing the um, destruction of private property. We're seeing well, we've seen uh, police incidents where police are engaging in shootings, where uh, the uh, people question the motive, question whether it was a racist motive to, to do that shooting. There's just a, there's a, there's tremendous chaos in America's inner cities. And I want to go back to tying the idea that the founding of America, the founding of this country, and the ideas in the founding can solve this problem too can solve everything about this problem. And I, and I also want to, I, the reason I wanted to focus on this today is because in this most recent shooting episodes we have gone through in America, these police shootings, we had a shooting in um, Charlotte, North Carolina on Tuesday, September 20th, and the uh, young man, man was shot named Keith Lamont Scott. There were a lot of different variations in the media, but his name is Keith Lamont Scott, uh, who is a black man killed by a black police officer. And in Charlotte, there have been, as you are, if you're listening to this, anytime near this uh, date, you'll know that there are just massive riots going on and civil unrest and 
So that's happening in Charlotte. Then there was another shooting by a police officer in Tulsa, Oklahoma, just a few days earlier. It was on Friday, September 16th. And the individual uh, in that instance, the black civilian who was shot was named Terrence Crutcher. And so I will talk a little bit about those cases uh, and this uh, later in the show. But I want to, one thing I want to do today that I think, you know, we, we're at this point where these narratives or these set of um, claims about why there's so much anger and rage in the black community and why Black Lives Matter was founded and why Black Lives Matter uh, is performing some supposedly helpful role in exposing police violence. I want to go back and talk about the, um, the one case, and there are two cases we could talk about, I'll probably do both, but the one case that got this whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement started, and that was a case in Florida of a shooting of a young man named Trayvon Martin. And, you know, I want to just um, say there's, a, there's certainly a need um, to have at any time a police officer fires his or her weapon, we, and we already have this established in America. We always, especially if someone's killed or, or hurt, we always have an investigation. We always do a serious digging in. The police department always does. The officer who engaged in a shooting is put on uh, leave. So he or she is not involved in the policing or in the investigation except to be interviewed. And the um, police departments in our country do a superb job policing themselves, investigating. And when there is wrongdoing, when there is uh, a decision that the shooting by an officer was unjustified or was excessive force, then we then we do prosecute that police officer just like any other person. In fact, as we sit today, the shooting in Tulsa, Oklahoma of um, the gentleman named Terrence Crutcher, that officer, it's a woman officer, uh, they have decided to charge her. This is now, you know, that incident uh, of shooting in um, Tulsa was actually on September 16th, and here we are on September 26th, and she's already been charged with, I believe the charge is voluntary manslaughter. So I wanted to say that we we do have in place already, prior to the existence of Black Lives Matter, we have in place in our country, and that's one of the precious things about the founding of this country and the rights of the individual, the notion of the rule of law, that no one is above the rule of law. And this was one of the things that differentiated America at our founding, that we said there's no ruling class that doesn't have to follow the laws. No ruling class that can say, um, you know, whatever we do, we don't get prosecuted because after all, we're the ones in charge. So we already had that, and we have an officer now in Tulsa, and she is entitled to the same protection as every other American. She, as an individual, is entitled to the same protections as any other American is to the right to a jury trial with a jury of, comprised of her peers, by effective assistance of counsel, by the presumption of innocence. All those precious things our founders built into the Constitution built into the fabric of our law enforcement in our country are available to her as they should be and as they're available to every civilian of any race or ethnicity. If you're going to, if you uh, commit what the, the police decide to charge you with a crime or the district attorney does, you're entitled to those rights. So I think these are, I want to, um, I want to talk, as I said, I'm going to loop back to where we are with um, what got us started in these um, cases in which we've had just such tremendous anger and violence. I want to talk about the Trayvon Martin case, and I want to talk about the shooting in Ferguson, the whole Ferguson, Missouri episode. And the reason I want to do that is, in both those cases, what happened was a narrative got set, a, um, a description of something 
that sounded horrific, that everybody should be angry about, everybody should be outraged, of every race, every background should be outraged, if what the narrative is, uh, is, you know, is, is really the facts, if the facts are really accurate. But what has happened in both those cases is there was a a narrative set, and then just tumult and outrage because of the facts that people thought were true. And if we're ever going to get resolve the race, uh, ten, racial tension in America, if we're ever going to get past all the violence and anger, we have to start dealing in truth. We have to start dealing with facts. So when we come back after the break, I'm going to talk about the Trayvon Martin case. And the things I want to tell you are things that you should be absolutely memorizing, able to mention, able to talk about, so that we're all dealing with the same set of facts as we go forward, assessing where we are in America. This is Debbie Georgiatis, Let's Talk More podcast series, America Can We Talk? You're listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio. I'm a third grade teacher. I'm a school bus driver. I am a parent. I am a teacher's aide. And I agree to be identified as a caring adult who pledges to help bullied students. I will listen carefully to all students who seek my help. And act on their behalf. To put an immediate stop to bullying. I will work with other caring adults to create a safe learning environment for all the students in my school. In my school. In my school. In my school. I'm Dennis Van Roekel, president of the National Education Association. Help us create safe, bully-free learning environments for all students. One caring adult can make all the difference. Be that adult and take the pledge at nea.org slash bullyfree. Adults have the power to stop bullying in our schools. It starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. Bully-free. It starts with me. Visit nea.org slash bullyfree. A message from the National Education Association. My name is Ernesto Miranda with Walker Miranda Design Studio, Principal. We are a commercial and high-end residential interior design firm with architectural capabilities. We do anything from restaurants, multifamily, commercial office, and retail. A lot of design firms tend to have a signature look. We don't. We really take our clients' brands seriously. It's really important for us for our clients to have that signature look. That's what we create for them. For more information and a free consultation, visit us at walkermiranda.com. You can also reach us at 214-680-7202. Hi, this is John Bon Jovi asking you to go to serve.gov to get involved in something you believe in. I'm a big believer in the power of we. We can tackle the tough challenges we face and build community through service and volunteering. The reality is, we're all in this together. It's time for you to raise your hand and make a difference. United we stand, united we serve. Are you with me? We born to Come on Go to serve.gov for more information about how to volunteer in your community. This message is brought to you by United We Serve and the Corporation for National and Community Service. 
Hi, I'm Graham, inventor of the Sneak Guard. Our homes are full of adventure snoopers. They go through everything until they find something they like. Children, roommates, babysitters, teens, pets, you name it. Snoopers are everywhere. Sneak Guard is the world's first purpose-built locking vacuum storage container, designed to protect snoopers from the unintended ingestion of medications and more. Safe, responsible storage. Available now at sneakguard.com. S-N-E-A-K-G-U-A-R-D.com. Today, nearly half our nation's fighting forces are members of the Guard and Reserve. When they are called to active duty, they leave behind a family, a community, and a job. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, a Department of Defense agency, honors and protects the bond between service members and their civilian employers. Whether serving our country or supporting those who do, we all serve. To learn more about ESGR, call 1-800-336-4590 or visit esgr.mil. Welcome back. I'm Debbie George Addis. This is our Let's Talk More podcast series. You know, I always try to say at the beginning, and I didn't get to today, but the entire reason, I'm a lawyer by background, and I've been a lawyer and a full-time mom and a political activist. The entire reason I do my radio show, which is called America Can We Talk, is because I want to try, in all the stories that we talk about, the issues America faces, I want to talk about the idea of when we try to solve our problems, we come up with solutions to problems, can we, we need to try to do it in a way that preserves the, the precious, unique identity of America, the idea of America, that preserves liberty, that preserves the rights of every individual, that preserves our, our culture that keeps Americans safe, it makes America a safe place to live for the most part, and it keeps Americans in a position to be really as a, um, an example to the world of how you can live in a civilized society with the people having, we the people running the country. We the people being the ones who choose our elected officials and, and who are vigilant in protecting the rights of, of one another. So I'm going to tell you, and this, we're going to have in this 2016 election cycle, endless discussion about the, the condition of race relations in America. And it's a good thing that we're having this conversation because there is a, a profound effort coming from the American left to paint America as deeply racist to turn Americans against each other, to cause especially low-income Americans in inner cities, low-income African-American citizens, is a concerted effort to cause them to believe that by, by the left, to make them think that everybody else doesn't care about their rights, doesn't care about their condition, doesn't care about anything about them, because this is how the left gets power, by making groups of people feel alienated and pitting groups against each other. This is an intentional tactic, but I want to talk about the case that really got the whole Black Lives Matter movement going, and I want to start by telling you something about someone involved in the case. So even before the February 2012 incident in which Trayvon Martin uh, was killed and that sparked the whole, um, really sparked the whole Black Lives Matter movement, there was someone involved, I want to tell you something about him. So in December of 2010, December of 2010, there was an incident in Florida in which a white police lieutenant's son, so the grown son of a white police lieutenant, sucker punched a black homeless man named Sherman Ware in a bar. 
So this is a tough guy. His dad's a police lieutenant. He's white. And for no reason at all, he sucker punched a black homeless man named Sherman Ware. Ware had got a concussion, and there was some video evidence that this assault had occurred, but nobody did anything. No one did a thing about it. Infuriating. So one person decided he and his wife printed flyers and spread them around the community. They spread them around the community demanding that the police or the community hold accountable the officers who were responsible for this misconduct. The officer who, the uh, lieutenant's son who punched the, uh, black, the black homeless man, as well as the other police officers who failed to do anything, who did not act. They took the flyers around to area churches. They passed them out on Sunday mornings. They made such a fuss that as a result of the publicity, police chief Brian Tooley, who was particularly in these flyers, pointed out to be the person involved in an illegal cover-up and corruption. He was actually forced to resign. And finally, this lieutenant's son, this police lieutenant's adult son, who is a white man who punched this black uh, homeless man named Sherman Ware, lieutenant's son was finally arrested. So that's a really cool story. It's a story of somebody speaking up on behalf of a completely innocent and obviously powerless uh, homeless man. And I want to tell you who that person was who did all that completely unprompted. In fact, I'll tell you that in a moment who it was. Um, there was also this, this same man ha- who did what I just described, who just out of you know goodness of his heart and desire to demand justice, circulated flyers pointing out that the police were covering up this assault by, the, by a son of a police lieutenant. This same man also uh, has taught, uh, was volunteering in teaching young children, young black children. He was I- involved in tutoring, in mentoring, completely on a volunteer basis just because he cared. Um, he also was a, um, uh, I'm trying to find the other little fact I was going to tell you about him. I don't find it quickly. But anyway, so the man who did all those things that I just told you was George Zimmerman. George Zimmerman is the guy who ultimately in February, 2012 shot and killed Trayvon Martin. So, uh, you know, I want, I, I want to plant those seeds because when you start hearing people say, well, Zimmerman, first of all, who is Hispanic? And because the media was so determined to have a, um, a theme, so determined to have a racial angle to this, that they couldn't just say, well, Zimmerman was Hispanic and Trayvon Martin was black. They came up with a brand new category that exists nowhere else, a white Hispanic but they had to come up with something because they couldn't have Americans thinking that they had to have a black versus white um, storyline, narrative. I get tired of the word narrative, but I don't know what other word to say. In, in this case, it's like a myth that got created around Trayvon Martin. So that's one, one thing to keep in mind when people talk about this Trayvon Martin case. George Zimmerman, out of the goodness of his heart, went out of his way to bring to justice a white police lieutenant's adult son who had sucker punched a helpless and homeless black man. That's George Zimmerman. Also volunteered numerous times in various ways to help low income, to help help low income children get a better life, get a better start in life. Okay. So then I want to turn to Trayvon Martin. And you know, and I'm getting to all this to say that, you know, if you were told that an entire movement got got started on a lie 
you would, and you really grasped that, you really knew this actually was a lie, you wouldn't be, want to be part of that movement. What's happened is the media had decided way back in the time of Trayvon Martin, we can get a sensational story. We can sell our, our magazines and our TV shows and our interviews. It was fodder for the feeding frenzy. It was a feeding frenzy by the media. And this was a way to make it a feeding frenzy to not tell you facts like that. Not tell you that George Zimmerman, contrary to the effort of the media to paint him as just a belligerent um, you know, guy who obviously had racist, racist intentions, they, this story really counters that about G George Zimmerman. Okay, so that's the first thing I wanted to mention. And actually, you know, George Zimmerman is Hispanic. It was funny. He could have been named Jorge, which I guess is the Spanish version for George, and maybe that would have helped him in the media. But George sounded like, you know, sounded like it could be a... a uh, a Caucasian name. So anyway, that's the first story about George Zimmerman. Really, really important to understand. Because the next thing was in February 2012, February 26 and 2012, the incident occurred between Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman. Part of what happened in that incident that is just uh, skipped by the media and even, and in fact, I wrote about it in my book, Ladies, Can We Talk? George Zimmerman was a uh, community watch guy. That was his job, neighborhood watch guy. And he saw Trayvon Martin at night walking along, and he described, when he called the police, he described this. He did call 911 saying, there's something off about this guy. There have been, there have been robberies in this area, in this community. He, George Zimmerman, is a neighborhood watch guy. He sees Trayvon Martin kind of wandering and, um, and, and seeming kind of aimless. And he, in a long description, George Zimmerman said to the police, you know, there's something off about the way he's acting. He's, I think it might have been raining or lightly raining, but it was, you know, he was just kind of meandering. And um, now this is the one mistake George Zimmerman did make, which is the police said, stay in your car and we'll come. But I think George Zimmerman was worried that maybe Trayvon Martin was going to break into one of the apartments around there, one of the, whatever they were, condos. And so he, um, he did get out of his car, which probably is a, a mistake. He, he uh, laments, along with George Zimmerman's um, family laments it, along with Trayvon Martin's family laments that he ever chose to get out of the car, but he did. But I want to get to the incident involved, which was the, the, when um, George Zimmerman did use his, uh, use his gun, he was carrying a gun. But he got into an altercation with Trayvon Martin, who turned on him and, and, you know, basically said, why are you following me? The point that the media just tried so very, very hard to avoid having the public understand was that at the time that George Zimmerman pulled out his gun and shot Trayvon Martin, Trayvon Martin was sitting on top of straddling George Zimmerman, who was flattened on the pavement, Zimmerman's down on his back, Trayvon Martin's sitting on top of him, and Trayvon Martin was bashing George Zimmerman's head into the pavement. And you got to know, folks, this is, people get killed that way. You can't, you, know, you can't take endless blows to your head and not have serious damage or death follow. So George Zimmerman made the calculation, I, I, I might die here. I might die getting this guy beating my head in. And so he pulled his weapon out and used it. And so, and you know, this was a, uh, obviously no one in their life wants to go through a circumstance like this. No one in their life wants to have it in their, in their memory and their life. I mean, George Zimmerman, this was a, a huge issue in, in his life. But again, the media presentation about this case painted pictures and put, in fact, put up pictures in the media of Trayvon Martin about three or four years younger than he was at the time of this incident. Trayvon Martin was bigger than George Zimmerman. 
but the media tried to make it look like a sweet little innocent 12-year-old, tiny little guy, barely entering puberty, had been gunned down by someone un- an unprovoked attack. When the truth was, George Zimmerman was on the ground and, uh, fearing for his life, shot his gun. Now, look, I, I, I don't want any child... I, I can't stand violence. I don't want any mom to lose a child. I feel for every family. But if we don't start understanding these facts and getting them straight, the problem is the narrative perpetuates that there is gross, unjustified violence on behalf of police officers, neighborhood watch people, and generally speaking, America against young black men. This was this was the send-off case, a signal case, and the facts don't justify the movement it launched. This is Debbie Georgiatis doing my Let's Talk More podcast series. Much more to come after our break. destination for premium talk radio there are a ton of social networking websites but one stands apart for a very special reason this one saves lives it's matchingdonors.com matchingdonors.com links organ donors with people in need of kidney and other transplants in the u.s. 19 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant most of them for kidneys if you've ever considered becoming a living organ donor or if you're someone in need of an organ transplant visit matchingdonors.com home of the greatest gift of all the gift of life matchingdonors.com The world of real estate moves fast and technology needs to be able to keep up with it. If agents and home buyers aren't able to communicate in real time, opportunities can swiftly be missed. With Reallocator, the communication gap has finally been bridged. Hi, I'm David Mays, co-founder of Reallocator. I've been a real estate broker for the past 10 years and came from the frustration of buyers not being able to reach agents instantaneously. So that's what we created on demand. Potential buyers now have the ability to immediately connect with a nearby agent, making the home buying process quick, easy, and convenient. Reallocator is free to download. Just grab your smartphone, open the app, see available agents in your area, and connect instantaneously. Reallocator is also the perfect tool for any real estate professional. For real estate professionals, it's a lead generating monster because, you know, you could be at the office doing paperwork and you're going to be able to generate these leads in real time. Download your free version of Reallocator on the Apple iTunes Store today or visit the website at www.reallocator.com. In small towns and big cities around the world, Habitat for Humanity volunteers gather. Hammers are raised, bricks are laid, and another family finds shelter in a home they help build. Habitat volunteers are changing lives for the better, and in the process, maybe even their own as well. Support the work in your community or wherever your heart leads you. Volunteer, get involved, and help build it. Visit us at Habitat.org. With all the crazy weather in Texas, you never know when Mother Nature might strike. There's hail, tornadoes, floods, fire, hurricanes, and so many more. When tragedy strikes, we all need someone to turn to. John Irwin is a licensed and bonded public insurance adjuster right here in DFW and has a stellar reputation as the guy you can count on for all your claim adjustment needs. John is the man you need when the unpredictable occurs. John can handle just about any weather damage you can think of and more. From hurricanes to water leaks, from lightning to vandalism, John Irwin can help. Don't wait. Give John a call today at 972-372-4990. 
That's 972-372-4990. Or visit us online at insurance911claimspecialist.com. That's insurance911claimspecialist.com. Got a few bills in your pocket and you hit a happy hour with your friends. Hey man, grab a beer. Now fast forward. Uh-oh. You just got a DWI, mano. Time in jail, up to $17,000 in fees and fines. Want to keep good times from going all bad? Happy hour tonight. Can I call you when I'm done to get a ride home? Line up a sober driver before you go out. Because if you get a DWI, there's no going back. Drink, drive, go to jail. A message from TxDOT. Save a life. Welcome back. I'm Debbie George Addis. This is a Let's Talk More podcast series, and it's a follow-on of my radio show, America Can We Talk. And you know, I'm spending a lot of time today to go over something that I think just gets brushed over in the media so often. We have, as we were talking at the start of this podcast, talking about we had recent shootings in, uh, by police officers of, of young black men, or uh, not maybe not young, but black men. We had Keith Lamont Scott, <clears throat> excuse me, in uh, Charlotte on September 20th. And then we had a shooting in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Friday, September 16th of Terrence Crutcher. And we've all been watching the videos and, and reading the storylines, trying to understand what happened. But I'm trying to get at, and I want all of us to recognize, the reason these particular cases are getting so much attention is because a national narrative has been created by the Black Lives Movement and frankly by many in the people in the Democrat Party that this picture of police officers just randomly and irrationally and without justification shooting down innocent young black members of our society for no reason at all. And so the poor, um, you know, the, the, uh, that there's just an outrageous thing occurring with the police in our society. And the way this has been accomplished in part is to the, the springboard story, the initial story that really launched most of this is the, is the uh, death of Trayvon Martin in February of 2012 in Florida. So I told you before the, in the last segment about a little more about George Zimmerman. This is a guy who had done, he wasn't perfect. Nobody's perfect. He'd done a lot in his life to try to help innocent young. In fact, he'd done tutoring for low income black children but the story that really strike, struck me and I wanted to share with you was that story that basically when he was aware of a time when there had been a, an assault, a, a dangerous assault by a police lieutenant's son, a white man, a police lieutenant's son, adult son of a homeless, helpless black man, Trayvon Martin and his wife went out of his way over a period of time to create flyers publicized the story. The police were trying to brush it under the rug, not prosecute this guy. And it was only because of George Zimmerman that the case finally came to light. The police chief had to quit because he'd been covering it up. And there was a prosecution of this man who had punched this, you know, innocent, this innocent young um, black homeless man. So that's one thing just to get a fair thing in George Zimmerman. But the other thing that the media's distortion about this case included the size of uh, the two people involved, as I mentioned before the break. In fact, um, the um, George Zimmerman was smaller than Trayvon Martin. Put the other way, Trayvon Martin was much bigger than George Zimmerman. And he also was, um, he had been involved in George Zimmerman, um, who was being attacked by Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin was, had been involved in street fighting, drugs, guns, burglary, and mixed martial arts. He was not the innocent little cherubic 12-year-old face the media used to push their story. 
that wasn't who Trayvon Martin was. He was a, a young man who'd been involved in some violence. Uh, his mom had actually kicked him out of the house for fighting just weeks before this incident. So Trayvon Martin isn't the innocent cherub the police try to portray and the family try to portray, not the police, but the family try to portray. But the other aspect of this, I want to be sure, and I, you know, this came out a little bit at the time, and again, the media totally ignored it because it didn't fit the media narrative. But, you know, the Trayvon Martin story involved him leaving his, he was visiting his dad and his dad's, I think his dad's girlfriend and family, but he'd gone down to a local 7-Eleven to buy a package of Skittles. And so it sounds like, you know, tripping out the front door, a happy little person running down to buy uh, something, uh, you know, Skittles. Here's what was really occurring. What he had bought, and everyone's acknowledged he went to 7-Eleven to buy um, Skittles, which is that candy drink. Um, and he also had bought Arizona fruit juice. And Arizona fruit juice, they didn't mention, but it was always Arizona fruit juice was of the flavor, the watermelon flavor. And so it was watermelon, um, Arizona fruit juice, and Skittles. And why this matters is Trayvon has the Skittles, the Arizona watermelon fruit, it's actually Arizona watermelon fruit juice cocktail, and the name of that drink, because there is a, that people in, Trayvon Martin was into this and used to this, those were two components of a drug he was creating. There's a drug concoction called lean, L-E-A-N, also known in Southern hip hop culture as Sizer Up and Purple Drink. Lean consists of three ingredients, codeine, the soft drink, the uh, watermelon, um, Arizona watermelon fruit juice, and um, the Skittles. And Trayvon Martin was into lean. In fact, there was, uh, in his autopsy, damage to, I believe it was his kidneys, from having ingested lean. He didn't go to the store to buy candy as a little treat for being good. He went to buy components to make a drug that he was used to ingesting. And it was popular in his culture. And I don't mean in the black culture. I mean in his community, wherever it was he was living, it was a very popular thing for young people at that time to make this drug called lean and make it out of things you can buy at the store. I don't know where he gets the codeine, but the other two parts. So that's what he was really doing. And again, that doesn't make him, it's not like mixing lean is a, is a criminal offense that you know he should be subject to the death penalty for. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that the picture painted in the American public's eye is a lie about the Trayvon Martin case. And then, as you all know, or probably remember, uh, President Obama weighed in just a few weeks later, on March 23rd, four weeks after the shooting, and he didn't say, you know, George Zimmerman is guilty and poor Trayvon Martin was innocent, but he weighed in, as he often does, in an emotional way, referring to Trayvon Martin, he could have been my son. And he's trying President Obama tried and succeeded in creating a sense of sympathy around Trayvon Martin, talking about, well, you know, he could have been my son, this could have been my child. There was an attempt by the president to engender sympathy about Trayvon Martin. And, you know, there was a, um, a witness at the time, one of the, uh, the eyewitnesses of the attack, by, it was an attack by Trayvon Martin on George Zimmerman, pounding his head in the ground, and 
the eyewitness actually talked about, he, in fact, he talked to the police within half an hour of the shooting. This eyewitness told the police there was a black man in a black hoodie on top of, another, of either a white guy or a Hispanic guy in a red sweater. And the guy on the ground was yelling for help. He says, according to this witness, the black man on top, which is Trayvon Martin, was throwing down blows on this guy, MMA style, mixed martial arts style. So this is, I mean, again, a picture of what actually happened that night changes all the natural sympathies. You can still say, and I still say, and probably George Zimmerman would still say, I sure wish I hadn't gotten out of the car. I should have waited for the police. He didn't set out to kill anyone that night. And so, and still we had the prosecution and George Zimmerman after being prosecuted. And there's a whole other component to this. In fact, I will share briefly, you know, the, uh, originally the case didn't get that much attention. But the family of Trayvon Martin contacted a, an Orlando-based media strategist named Ryan Julison, J-U-L-I-S-O-N, Ryan Julison, and he got on kind of the Team Trayvon uh, message, and he helped the family to generate publicity. And one thing he did is have, he tried to have the story spun in the way we've been talking about here, that George Zimmerman was a white guy when he wasn't, that George Zimmerman was violent and racist, that he was, you know, just uh, had no business even looking or no business even following Trayvon Martin, no business in figuring out what Trayvon Martin was doing that night. He, it was a whole effort to create Zimmerman as just a, a big, mean bully, and Trayvon Martin's a, a happy little boy skipping down to the grocery store to buy Skittles. And so what this Julison guy did, you know, he is a media strategist. He went out of his way to create a scenario to create publicity, to have pictures of this young man, Trayvon Martin's family. And so this is, um, you know, Trayvon Martin's family holds press conferences and they're, and they're, of course, they're upset. But the whole, again, the whole point of this, once they have a prosecution, once they secure the decision by the district attorney and the police were going to prosecute George Zimmerman, all this media stuff could have stopped. But the media loves a controversy. The left loves to create racial division. They love to have this story stay in the headlines for months and months. And so, as you all know, then uh, George Zimmerman was found not guilty by the jury. And that is really the time that the Black Lives Matter movement took shape. When George Zimmerman was found not guilty and the assumption was that it was a racist jury that let George Zimmerman off. And so, you know, if you now you know those facts, and so when you hear people say, well, Black Lives Matter, you know, there's a lot of bad things the police do. Look, no one's saying the police are perfect. No one's saying the police are, you know, um, incapable of making a mistake. But we have a system in place and we have to trust that system to prosecute police officers when necessary. And they do. And they do prosecute police officers. They do. But we have now, we're going to turn the last segment for today. We're going to turn to talking about the Tulsa and Oklahoma, the Tulsa, Oklahoma and the Charlotte, North Carolina situation and why they're so different. What happened in those two cases and what the media and the left is doing to twist them around because they're really depriving everyone involved of real justice. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is a Let's Talk More podcast series related to America Can We Talk My radio show. Come right back for one more segment. Can you hear us now? You're listening to RNCN. 
the number one source for premium talk radio. Hi, this is Jean Burke with College Prep Genius. Colleges go up on their rankings because of test scores. When your student has a great score, they can get free college. I am giving away my 15 secrets to free college. Go to my website, collegeprepgenius.com. Click on 15 secrets to free college and use the code radio. You're going to learn the secret formula that colleges use to get you free college. So again, that's www.collegeprepgenius.com. Something that every business owner relies on is good advice. And that's where SCORE can help. SCORE is a nonprofit organization where we provide free business consulting services to people who want to start a business. For nearly 50 years, SCORE mentors have been helping businesses realize their dreams. What's even better than dreams is making a dream come true. Volunteer your expertise. You've got it. Share it. Volunteer your expertise today at SCORE.org. Hi, this is Nate Dodson of the Dodson Legal Group. We are a team of attorneys out to ensure that all clients are put in the best position possible. We found that attorneys in the market fail at providing ongoing information and updates to their clients, and we work diligently to be the better option in keeping our clients informed as their cases move forward. For a free consult, please call us at 469-317-3330. That's 469-317-3330. What if you got rewarded for every good decision? What if your heart had a special way of letting you know it appreciates your healthy choices? I've got to get my family to eat more vegetables. Amazing! And instead of cooking with butter tonight, I think I'll saute our veggies with a heart-healthy oil. You're a genius! So really, would your food choices pay off in heart health? Did you know that when you replace bad fats with healthier fats, like those in canola or other vegetable oils, it can lower bad cholesterol levels? And that's good for your heart. Here's a winning idea. Take up the challenge for good health, because the you of the future will say, Fantastic! Learn more at heart.org slash face the fats. Canola Info proudly supports the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign. green can't be clean. Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. We're asking folks about marriage. Marriage makes me think of sports. You know, teamwork, dedication. Okay, let's see what people say. Let's say your marriage is a sport. What sport would it be? Basketball. Surfing. You have to be a team sport. A lot of back and forth. A lot of people watching. So how many people are influenced by your marriage? Hundreds. You really think about the ripple effect. It's like a wave. (laughs) Want to improve your marriage? For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org and message from the Catholic Church. Welcome back to our final segment. This is Debbie George Addis, our Let's Talk More podcast series. And it relates to, based on my radio show, America Can We Talk. You know, folks, I want to be really clear about something. These issues involving race relations in America, they are so tender 
They are so prone to misunderstanding. And part of what the American left does and Hillary Clinton does and Barack Obama does is claim that anyone who says things that relate to these very tough issues that they don't agree with, they label with racism. And the idea of being a racist, accusing someone of racism, this is among the most, I mean, every American of every, whatever other color, whatever color package you came wrapped in, you know, whatever color your skin is, every American hates the idea of being called racist. Everybody does. You cringe at it. You, you don't want to be that. Everyone, I mean, America is so much better than that. America is better than racism. Back to the idea of the founding of our country. It's one of the most beautiful things about America, that this idea that we are, as a Declaration of Independence promised us and, and promised for America's future, that all of us, men and women, are created equal. We're all equal. And we're endowed by our creator, by God, with rights that the government exists to protect. So the division of America in, into racial and hyphenated categories, into racial tension, is just is devastating to the idea of America. And the idea of labeling people as racist is devastating to the individual. No one wants to be called that. But the left uses that, throwing around to that label, uses that to shut people up. Probably what I've said in this video, this podcast today, someone say, you can't say that about Trayvon Martin. You can't say that about George Zimmerman. You can't tell the truth. This is what the left tries to do. They try to get to where you can't even talk about the facts. You're just supposed to salute to the narrative the left has created and just, and just accept it. But we can't do that, folks, because you know what? There's no way to solve the racial tension in America if we can't talk truth, if we can't talk about actual facts. If we can't talk about what the motivations of various people are behind uh, the instances, the violence, the protests, everything we're seeing in America today. So I'm going to turn and talk about that in this last segment. It was a really interesting thing. As you know, we, um, I mentioned in the beginning, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, we had September 20th, a police shooting of Keith Lamont Scott. And in Tulsa, Oklahoma, just a few days before that, Friday, September 16th, the shooting and killing of Terrence Crutcher. But did you notice something very interesting about this? There were protests, I mean, massive protests in Charlotte, North Carolina, still going on at, at this point. Today is Monday the 26th I'm doing this. Still protests, still, you know, violence and burning buildings and smashing windows and smashing cars. And in Charlotte, North Carolina, the police have already released the video of the incident and you can see that consistent with what the police officer said, Keith Lamont Scott got out of his car, got out of his car with a gun. The gun was found at the scene with his fingerprints on it. So this case, you would think, well, okay, now that people can see that we saw the video, he had a gun, the gun was at the scene, it has his fingerprints on it, but the riots and the protests continue. And the, and the anger and the hatred and the misunderstanding and yet, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where there was a shooting of Terrence Crutcher, and in fact, that case, you know, right away there was, uh, there was questions and complaints about we should look into this and find out what's going on. But in Tulsa, Oklahoma, no riots, no protests, no smashing cars, no burning buildings down. And if you don't know why, I'm going to tell you what the difference is. The difference is that... Charlotte is in North Carolina. North Carolina is a swing state. 
there is a desire in the part of the Hillary Clinton camp to have that state go Democrat in 2016 presidential election. And of course, Republicans want to be to go uh, Republican. But the rioters in Charlotte, North Carolina, they've had to arrest people. They've had to you know, arrest them because they're destroying property, beating people up, dragging innocent people out of their cars and beating them. Innocent white people have nothing to do with it. This is happening in Charlotte. So they've had to arrest people. 70% of the people arrested in Charlotte, North Carolina were from out of state. What you're seeing in Charlotte, North Carolina, I'm not saying there aren't people upset about the death of Keith Lamont Scott, but you have a video showing how to gun. You have riots undeterred by the truth, undeterred by the facts. You have destruction of property by paid rioters. This is a George Soros, and we've mentioned, I've mentioned him many times in my podcast. If you don't know who George Soros is, you need to know because this is a guy just determined to destroy the fabric of America's culture. He wants the big state, big government controlled society that Hillary Clinton would like to bring to America. George Soros is funding. In fact, George Soros, it was discovered when his emails were hacked. George Soros put at least $33 million just to pay the protesters in Ferguson. Just to pay protesters. He's not paying them a million dollars. He's paying almost nothing. He's paying a lot of people in Ferguson to riot. He's paying people in Charlotte to riot. He needs Charlotte. He needs North Carolina to be in a state of angst and anger and, and, and just hysterical violence because he thinks it will help Hillary win North Carolina. Tulsa, Oklahoma, a safe Republican state. George Soros isn't bothering to pay protesters, and so there aren't protesters. You really need to let that fact sink in because George Soros works hand-in-hand with Hillary Clinton. He funds her campaigns. He funds her efforts. He funds everything about her. He funds everything about Barack Obama. George Soros is funding the radical left in America. He wants these protests. Hillary Clinton wants these protests. She wants there to be racial hatred. She wants there to be racial division because she thinks that's where she gets a bunch of her votes in the black community because she can stand there and tell them, everybody else hates you. There is, there's violence intended against you. I'm the only one who can save you. I will save you from these rotten Republicans, these rotten white, white Americans. This is Hillary Clinton's modus operandi. It is what she's doing in this campaign. And it's right here before our very eyes. Why would there be more protests in North Carolina where the shooting is obviously considered more likely to be justified and no rioting at all in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where it appears, at least initially, the police that looked into it decided that it wasn't justified. The officer has been charged. And the answer is, as a political, these are political, not racial protests. And I know that sounds like such a radical thing to say, but you've got to understand that's what's happening. And you have to tell people that's what's happening. It's not enough for you to get a fresh face on, a fresh thought about. It's enough that people, it means that we need to understand this. I want to tell you something else really important. Not all the protesters in any of these major cities where we've had these uh, instances of racial violence, not all the protesters are paid. Some of them really are upset. They, they think and they have bought into the narrative that the left has made up, that there is just radical, irrational, unfair violence by police against black Americans. And so if you really thought that was true, 
If you really, if you're black or if you're white, whatever race you are, if you really thought that the police were engaged in just irrational, uh, vigilante, trying to find young black men to kill for no reason, you should be protesting. You should be angry. But that's not what's true. But that leads me to the two other points I want to make. One, the left is working very hard to teach Americans to hate. They are teaching black Americans to hate police. They're teaching black Americans to hate white Americans. They are encouraging black Americans to see America as a deeply racially divided country. And the other thing I want to point out that is just so important to recognize about Hillary's conduct in these things. Have you noticed we've had these attacks? We've had several attacks recently in America on American soil of Islamic violence, of jihadist activity at a Minnesota mall. We had the, the Chelsea, New York. We had New Jersey. We have incidents happening all over the country. It is Islamic jihadist violence. Every time they happen, Hillary Clinton rushes, to the, rushes, runs to the microphone to say, we can't prejudge. You don't know who put this bomb in. We cannot just be assuming it's Islamic. You, you can't be, you just don't rush to judgment. It's so unfair, so unfair. How could you possibly, I mean, just criticizing someone, criticizing Donald Trump which, when he just pointed out it was a bomb. She criticized him. How do you know it was a bomb? Just because it was an explosion. How can you say it was a bomb? She criticized that. But when these police shootings happen, when we know that there has been a police shooting and everyone's looking at the facts, Hillary Clinton is quick to say, we've got to criticize the police, to paint the black American community as the recipients of unjustified violence. She's willing to judge in a heartbeat the moment there's a police shooting, the police are wrong, the black community is right, the shooting is unjustified, she jumps at doing that every chance she gets. Yet when it's an Islamic sh- bombing, we can all see what it is, and we know what it is, she's quick to say, she's saying, caution, caution, you can't judge. Folks, we have to see the racial violence in this country. It is, we, have, we always can do better to improve race relations. We can always do better to improve relations between the police and the communities. But this is bought and paid for politically motivated violence by Hillary Clinton and the American left who wants America divided. And the best answer of all of America is to unite with our fellow Americans of all colors, races, creeds, religions, unite with our fellow Americans in respect for the rule of law, respect for America, and holding on to the ideals of America because Hillary wants nothing to do with those things. This is Debbie George Addis, and let's talk more. You're listening to RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio. Are you a property owner or manager in a commercial building with a flat or slightly sloped roof? Hey, Dave Custable here with Trivan Roofing. Texas heat is brutal on roofs. What is the condition of your roof? Your roof is your first line of defense. Does your roof reflect or absorb the Texas sun? Is your roof cracked, split, or shrinking away from the edges? If you don't know, call Trivan Roofing for a complete roof analysis. We will inspect, photograph, and discuss our findings with you free of charge. Need a roof replacement? Partner with Trivan Roofing and enjoy the benefits of Duralast Roof System. Duralast has been custom fabricating single-ply roof systems for over 35 years. Duralast white material reflects heat, resists cooking grease, is Class A fire retardant, 
Ironman and Class 4 hail impact resistant. All comes with a 15-year material and labor warranty with consequential damage coverage included. Call Drive-In Roofing now at 817-891-7313, 817-891-7313, or online at trivanroofing.com. That's trivanroofing.com. Hi, I'm Debbie Sardone, founder of Cleaning for a Reason, a national nonprofit dedicated to cleaning the homes of women battling cancer. We recently partnered with Ford Warriors in Pink to help provide more good days to women fighting breast cancer. Ford has been active in the fight against cancer since 1993 and are dedicated to helping those touched by this devastating disease through actions that support, inspire, and empower patients, survivors, and co-survivors throughout their journey. This year, Cleaning for a Reason and Ford Warriors in Pink will provide 500 additional house cleanings to women battling breast cancer. To find out how you can help or receive this gift, just go to cleaningforareason.org or warriorsinpink.ford.com. Me, I started smoking when I was 13. I always thought when the time came, I could quit, no problem. Then at 28, I tried to go cold turkey and I found out how hard it really was. I made it all day without a smoke. <laughs> right until I met up with the guys. But I learned something that night. In fact, every time I tried to quit, there were more than a few, I learned a little more about what worked and what didn't work for me. And when I realized that I wasn't alone, that most people don't quit on their first or second attempt, I knew there was still hope. Today, I'm an ex-smoker. My only advice is to never, ever give up trying to quit. If you're trying to quit smoking, the American Lung Association is here to help every step of the way. Visit quitterinyou.org for tools, tips, and stories from smokers we've helped to finally quit for good. The American Lung Association. We support the quitter in you at quitterinyou.org. Today, nearly half our nation's fighting forces are members of the Guard and Reserve. When they are called to active duty, they leave behind a family, a community, and a job. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, a Department of Defense agency, honors and protects the bond between service members and their civilian employers. Whether serving our country or supporting those who do, we all serve. To learn more about ESGR, call 1-800-336-4590 or visit esgr.mil. Hi, this is Michelle Williams. I'm a national sales representative for J. Hilburn Men's Custom Clothier. At J. Hilburn, we want to help our customers dress better. We know that they can get a great fitting product at great quality for a great price. If you're wanting to expand your wardrobe or just need help with your day-to-day dress, go to michellewilliams.jhilburn.com. That's michellewilliams.jhilburn.com. Hi, I'm Danny O'Connell. I'm partner at Benefit Resource Group, a family-owned boutique insurance agency. BRG is one of the leading boutique agencies here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Our mission is to add value to our clients and employees' lives through creative insurance solutions. When you start going upstream to a regional or even a national type provider, the decisions over who they're going to work with and where they're going to place their business is decided around a boardroom. A lot of times, they're not always aligning with the best service provider in the space that you actually need. Numerous 
most times they've already made an agreement and that service provider may take for granted the service that they actually have to deliver to the client in the end. And they may not always be the best in your area or for your situation. Being a boutique, we are independent. We have the flexibility to go out and find the right solution specific to you. It's always a good time to sit down and speak with one of our agents. You can reach us at 214-750-7557. And you can find us on the web at brg-tx.com. Got chest pain? Don't deny. Don't delay. Dial 911. Every minute wasted increases your risk of permanent damage or death. You're listening to RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio.